Hello, everybody. Welcome to A Good Football Show. I am Patrick Doherty, joined today by Mr. Denny Carter. We're going to discuss my recent rankings and Denny's article on neutral pass rates with a very provocative title before welcoming in Mr. Lawrence Jackson to check in on the rookie receiver landscape and debate some veterans he believes may be poised to take a step back in 2022. But first, Denny, if uh, the lamestream media is to be believed... It appears Drew Brees is moving on after one year at NBC. Uh, yeah. Brees has yet to confirm these reports himself, although he did suggest he may resume his playing career, perhaps in jest. But we don't know Drew Brees' future, but that has not stopped Twitter, Denny, from you know just going aflame, going alight, suggesting perhaps that you could be his replacement. And I'm just wondering uh, if this is true or not, if, you can con- if the lawyers are allowing you to say anything on this matter. They are. And, and and more and more people are saying that uh, that I I would replace him at NBC Sunday Night Football and 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 I'm prepared to if if called upon you know I will I will serve the company I will take that place and I'm prepared to say things on the Sunday Night Football broadcast like you know Rodney when we talk about elite running backs we talk about Ronald Jones and you know, <laughs> you know and I, I think I can I can add I can add some something. Uh, some flavor to that broadcast if the uh, company sees fit. You know that Rodney Harrison to be a, uh, he is legally allowed both by like the law and it's like NBC internal protocols to assault you if you say that. <laughs> like um, it's I I uh, it would make sense because uh, as a Dolphins fan growing up, he assaulted me uh, psychologically weekly as a as a Dolphins fan. Well, so I don't want to say I think Rodney Harrison was the man who injured Trent Green who almost ruined my entire childhood, but then it, in fact, actually saved my childhood because right. Trent Green's preseason injury, of course, thrust American underdog Kurt Warner into the limelight. And, yeah, uh, I, I would have to tell him that uh, he, he ruined, you know, most of my teenage years. Yeah, so, uh, Denny, too, you know, another part of Drew Brees' duties is calling Notre Dame football games. I know you're always trying to pretend you're not Catholic, but would that be something you'd be down to do, going to South Bend every Saturday? Calling Notre Dame. You know, I mean, for, first and foremost, I am a, a college football enthusiast, and this is how <laughs> people know me. I, I know of Notre Dame. They wear gold helmets. There are players who come out of Notre Dame and go into the NFL even this year. So I, I'm people I'm prepared. I, I have deep knowledge of of the school. I've seen Rudy. You familiar with Touchdown Jesus? I'm not. <laughs> You're not. <laughs> it's a great little Notre Dame tradition. There's a uh, Jesus who scores touchdowns on the campus there. And so, real quick on Drew Brees, I don't. It doesn't seem like he's actually going to play again. If he actually did play again, I feel like there's no way it'd be with the Saints, right? I feel like yeah, it'd be more likely to be like the Seahawks or the Panthers. I feel oof. like the Saints are kind of just like moving on with Jameis Winston, and I think it'd be like with more of one of these like really down bad quarterback teams. Am I correct in that read, you think? I mean, I think you would be, but why on earth would 43-year-old Hall of Fame quarterback Drew Brees subject himself to the debacle that is the Seahawks or the Panthers? My God, I can't think of a worse reason to return from retirement. I, I, I do think that the reaction from Saints fans about Brees returning to the team is a little weird considering you know, his uh, struggles in his final couple years. And the fact that I think James Winston is just flat out like a, a better quarterback option at this point. Is that, is that controversial to say? May I don't, well, first off, you asked why Drew Brees might even return. I mean, Drew had just as someone who has normal levels of testosterone. That's probably why he doesn't even have to have, you don't even have to have elevated, but we both have you know, abnormally low levels of testosterone. <laughs> so we just don't understand like why you would ever do that at that age? We, we we would never play football, even if it. I mean, don't get us wrong, we'd watch it and write about it for a career, but I mean, we wouldn't play it. And but this is the guy, Drew Brees, uh, announced his retirement, and two days later, he was seen on social media dragging three hundred pound tires across 
uh, a 100 degree parking lot uh, as a workout. So that, so yeah, I mean, the T levels are very high on that one. I will say I go to a hundred degree parking lot every day to pick up my daughter from school. Um, if, if we haven't figured out a way to make blacktop not radiate uh, um, dangerously unsafe levels of heat, like it's like 248 degrees. Every, even if it's like 79 degrees, it's 248 yeah. on the black. <laughs> no, it could be a nice school. temp, nice temperate day, but you feel like you might die if you stand on the on the pavement for more than 11 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, uh, yeah, I mean, at this point, Jameis Winston would be a better option than Drew Brees. But I feel like even like the limited arm strength version of Drew Brees from 2020, like there, you could definitely, it wasn't pleasant to watch most of the time, but you would be. And like, uh, it was kind of like, you might not like it, but this is like what peak short passing performance looks like. And just, I don't know like test campaign. <laughs> this year like we did no one can quit Jameis. i know well i think the test went fairly well last year for 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 Jameis. i mean they, they didn't ask him to do much but the the little bit that he was asked to do he did okay like he didn't make those the spine breaking uh interceptions that he was so famous for in tampa and that's because know, they literally didn't allow him rate. to throw i mean which i felt like you know is, isn't really like a testament to Jameis winston they're basically like, yeah you cannot throw and uh, if you don't trust your quarterback to throw, Denny. I never got that. I And I, I feel like that, that was a Sean Payton thing. From what Dennis Allen has said and intimated over the past few months, like we're not doing the Taysom thing anymore. He's, you know, Jameis is our guy. We drafted uh, Chris Olave. We're getting Michael Thomas back. We, you know, we have some guys now. So maybe we can actually move the ball through the air. I, I the Sean Payton approach to Jameis was uh, almost like comically. It was. I mean, they had the absolutely horrific skill core, which we're about to get to in just one second. I will hear this is how weird Jameis's season was last year, where his first four starts was the infamous 38 to three beatdown of the Packers. Then the following week, they lost 26 to seven to the Panthers, where Jameis completed yep. 11 passes and had two interceptions. Then they beat the Patriots in week three. So he beats Aaron Rodgers and Bill Belichick. And then in week four, they lost in overtime to the Giants. Um, one Oof, of the very final oh victories of the Joe Judge era. So it was a strange Oof. little – he did have a 14-3 to touchdown interception total. But it, it was almost comical. Like, see, did he clear – he cleared 30 attempts one time. He reached 30 twice. He only cleared it once. Uh, we'll see. I'm 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 going to maintain a healthy level of Jameis Winston skepticism. But Denny, as you alluded to, maybe it's not warranted. Before we get into our articles, we're going to talk about arguably the top remaining unsigned wide receiver Jarvis Landry has found a new home in New Orleans and in an offense that was direly low on wide receivers last year, suddenly looking rather deep, as you said, with yeah. Landry joining a supposedly returning Michael Thomas, first round pick Chris Olave. What should our 2022 expectations be for Landry? And is this like curtains for role players like Marquez Callaway and Traquan Smith? Oh, yeah. Uh, the Traquan thing is no longer happening. Not even a Traquan Smith truther like me or you, I believe. I, believe I have been were, in my dynasty league for quite a long while. A little bit. And beginning to wonder, can I cut him this offseason, you think, hopefully? I, I mean, it would it would take probably like three to five wide receiver injuries to get him into the starting lineup. I, I don't think the team sees him as as someone who can be part of the three no. wide receiver sets. Now, the the, the but am I, am I wrong in saying that the Landry signing? I mean, it's, it's not weird in that you know you get a you get a competitor, a fiery dude, a veteran who knows his way around, and you only three million dollars base salary, you know, and and another three in in uh, incentives. So in that way, it makes sense. But like he, he thrives in the part of the field where Michael Thomas thrives. And I don't know how that's going to work there. Well, I do wonder what it says about Michael Thomas's health, too, which we've gotten right. reports that he somehow I mean, he last played football, I believe, in October of 2015 was his last appearance <laughs> after he set the receptions record in 2014. We, had, we don't have any researchers that can fact check this for us. No, we don't. We're yeah, looking we're, for them. Yeah, yes. Uh, sorry, you guys do a great job. And uh, <laughs> see, uh, Michael Thomas supposedly coming, but it's also weird though, because like if he's your if Jarvis Landry is your Michael Thomas backup plan, like I mean Jarvis Landry is breaking down as well. 
Like he had a he was a guy, right. you know, like kind of like the ultimate football warrior. Like I know it's silly to use that word with regards no, to no, football no. players, right. but like he played hurt for years. He never missed a game until 2020 when he only missed one game. They missed a game in 2020. He missed five games last year. He's kind of he had like a chronic hip issue. He's had the onset of a lot of things. He's gonna turn 30 this year. And it's weird too that yeah, like that a team that didn't have a need in his position signed him, whereas like teams that had like really, really bad wide receiver needs, like the, the Packers seemingly were never interested. And the yeah. Saints are just kind of like the Saints are one of those teams like if you give them a bargain, like they will take it. Like they're 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 not the kind of team they won't like let like obviously good football players just like sit out on the market for no reason. So maybe they, maybe they didn't even f- feel they needed him, but we're just like, wow. I mean, it's really dumb that no one assigned Jarvis Landry, but there's like lots of subtext here. I don't know what it means about Michael Thomas. Like what, what does it mean if they're all healthy? Like there's no way Jarvis Landry is going to really be fantasy relevant then. Right. I, I, I wouldn't completely eliminate him for fantasy relevance. I, I, I do think, you know, if you, if you look at like James Winston's heat maps over the years, uh, the heat map is not hot in the middle of the field and short, shortened in the middle of the field, not uh, him and Russell Wilson have traditionally not thrived with intermediate throws. It makes you question some things about the Denver offense, but uh, you know, so I, I don't really know how much opportunity he's going to get. But he is a guy like for for all the times I have not drafted Jarvis Landry and all the times that I've said, ah, he's just a guy, whatever. He's he's a target commander like he just he just gets targets. His comes they come the one guy. So like if commanding targets is a skill like the one one guy who is like certifiably better at commanding targets than Jarvis Landry is Michael Thomas, who has commanded more slants than the rest of NFL receivers combined throughout like the history of the league. I believe we're going into our 103rd NFL season, and he has yet more slant targets than every other wide receiver who's ever played. And I just don't know yeah. how that works with Jarvis Landry again with a quarterback like you said, and Jameis Winston, who I, I dare say is almost Drew Lockean at like the intermediate level of the field, like uh, not really his forte targeting the middle of the field. And even last year, it seemed like a lot of his limited pass attempts were like really like were like designed deep shots. I don't know what the hell to do with this guy. The whole thing, I almost wonder if like the Saints are like a a jerry-rigged like experiment that are kind of like primed to explode finally. Like I'm not really sure how it didn't last year, how they almost made the playoffs, but I I don't don't know. It seems like it seems like the exact wrong quarterback for this group of personnel. It's a uh, it's a good slash great defense depending on health. Um, I think it's a. At, at full health, I think that the pass catching options and the skill the skill position players on offense are pretty good, not elite, but altogether pretty good. I think Alave is like an like a like a low key, fantastic, much needed addition to a Saints offense that just didn't have really anybody except for um, Mr. Marquez Callaway. Except for, except for well, I was going to say Deontay. Deontay Hardy. Oh yeah, I, I was going to say think, Deontay Harris, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, he changed his last name, but it, it, yeah, it, you know, besides when he was healthy for 15 minutes, he took the top off a uh, defense, and they connected. He connected with Jameis a few times, but he's, you know, Alave is a, a, a critical piece. Uh, I'm trying to talk myself out of thinking of Alave as the, the the best fantasy option among these receivers, considering ADP. But we'll see. We'll see if I can. Chris Alave is definitely a Jameis Winston type receiver on paper, like someone who will get open down the field and with a quarterback who will target him down the field. Like it's said, a badly missing element where Marcus Callaway never really ran away with that role. Traquan Smith definitely never ran away with that role. Deontay Hardy is really just too small for that role. And he's like too much of a role player. And it, it, yeah. it was a badly, badly missing. And like the underneath stuff becomes like ineffective. If you never have anyone to threaten deep, I mean, for years, you know, like the like the like the role playing deep threat was like an archetype in the Saints offense. You know they always had the uh, I can't remember any of their names now. Ro- Ro- Robert yeah, exactly, Meacham. Exactly. Exactly. There was always the Robert Meacham role in the Saints yeah. offense, and like so that has been a badly badly missing element for several. But is there any? I don't know. I think Michael Thomas is still like the guy at a target, at least from a targets perspective. And 
I mean, do you think Chris Olave will be a wide receiver three as a rookie? Or I, I have not, I have do not have him ranked as such. I haven't ranked as a high end wide receiver four. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, it's not, it's not like egregious, but I, I do. I would say wide receiver three. I think in, in my preseason ranks that I submitted to the bosses on high, I, I I have him as a wide receiver three. I I'm very bullish on on his on the on the way he uh, fits into a Jameis Winston-led offense that I think will be permitted, if not encouraged, to let it rip a little more than they were last year, considering last year the Saints basically came in, at least came into the season with the idea of, you know, if, you know, if the, if the other team scores 21 points, we're going to lose. <laughs> like, that, that's, you know, that's it. Like, we're we're scoring 17 points, and that's it. Sorry about that, you know. But I don't think that that's, you know, the, the case now. And you know, James Winston was working with no one last year. I mean, Mar- I mean, you know, all respect to Marquez Callaway, not anybody's idea of a wide receiver one. Not not just now, but Can ever. I cut Marquez Callaway in my dynasty league too. You think I got a lot of cuts to make? Yeah, I have to yeah. cut like nine players. It's a little. That whole thing from last year for the Saints, that whole thing. It's a long, I have a lot of draft picks, and I was running a few injured reserve scams, so I got a lot of guys to cut, and I didn't really want to cut Callaway, but. I think I'm gonna, it's so weird the Saints have all these moving parts. Like again, like finally, as like Sean Payton leaves, like I would feel a little better if it was like Sean Payton organizing this chessboard. But uh, I I don't know if if Sean Payton got proper critique or criticism for the way that he ran the post Breeze offense. I mean, we 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 just talked about it ad nauseum, so I'm not going to repeat it. But there, there were serious questions as to like what are you doing here? Like you have, you know, you, you have Kamara, like you, you have James Winston who's capable of throwing it deep and, and he used them. Remember breeze when breeze couldn't throw it more than 20 yards downfield, Winston would come in to yeah. throw, to throw the deep ball. He had to actually sub in to be like, okay, it's third and 25. I have to throw it deep. Anyway, Peyton knew this and yet, and yet still, operated really one of the most conservative offenses. Well, Sean Payton, despite being conservative there, he had big, I'm 53 years old and buying a Trans Am vibes the past years <laughs> as evidenced by his Taysom Hill usage. And this frankly seemed kind of bored and should have probably retired a few years earlier and like then tried to get like the Dolphins job or the Cowboys job. Like, there's no way this guy's ever going to coach above like the Mason Dixon line, right? Like he's going to be coaching where it's warm like he cannot go like he's only he's only gonna be coaching in like a coastal town. So that probably eliminates Dallas. Like he might end up with the Bucks at some point. He might end up with the Dolphins. But there's no way this guy's like coming into to like Yankee territory and coaching football. I games. think I think that uh, Jerry Jones would actually uh, build an ocean near uh, <laughs> near Dallas if if it meant recruiting Sean Payton. So we, we have to we have to it's wait. Actually, on that. an extremely good point. Uh, I wish I had thought of that myself. Denny, with the uh, broad contours of everyone's rosters finally settled following the draft and free agency, I thought it'd be a good idea to get one final rankings update out before draft guide season gets going in earnest. And I thought it'd be an even better idea to have you ask me about a few of my rookie rankings. So lay it on me where you have questions. Yeah. Uh, And by the way, uh, Pat has great notes throughout these rankings. It's not just ranks. It's, it's a uh, very helpful little tidbits throughout. So check it out on NBC sports edge.com. I'll start with the aforementioned Chris Olave at 38. You have him just below Christian Kirk and just above Allen Robinson. You know, like I said, I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to scream at you about this ranking, but I, I do think that he, he inherits a role here that's very valuable for fantasy, even if it is going to be a little bit topsy-turvy, a little bit up and down, reliant on splash plays that, you know, are going to be hard to project, but I think that he will prove his value. It is interesting. I love his skill set. I mean, I love anyone who makes big plays, but it is weird that like in four years and like some of the most talented teams in the country, one of those years was the COVID year where they only played like seven or eight games. You know, he never had a thousand yard season. And he's just coming into the league. And like, as we were talking about an offense that kind of has like an identity crisis in the same, not an identity. Like it seems like they know the kind of identity they want to be again, but maybe it's not sure if they still ultimately have the personnel to get there. Right. And it's, you know, it's also just a little bit 
of a Jameis Winston hedge where I was like one of the biggest proponents ever of like letting Jameis cook. But I just think maybe the experiment has run its course. And especially without Sean Payton, it's just kind of me hedging the Saints offense and not really going overboard on, on a rookie receiver who I love. But even like a, a better offense might have just been a rookie role player. So I, I could be too low, but yeah, I I, did, I could not get Chris Olave into the top thirty six. I get that, and, and and those are those are good points that make me a little bit feel like uh, I should mute my criticism a little bit. But uh, Olave uh, led the nation from twenty nineteen to twenty twenty one in uh, receptions of more than twenty yards downfield. You know, he's also because he played four years at, at Ohio Red State. He, you know, it, right? Well, you know it. it it is. I do feel like the analytics community, for as much as I, I, I enjoy them, uh, are a little a little quick to write off for your players. Um, he he he's the the all time leader in touchdowns in uh, in, in Ohio State history and receiving touchdowns. So <laughs> you know he's like like we we sometimes can't like we sometimes dismiss production, and we and then you miss out on on guys like this. Maybe, maybe not, maybe not, you know, dominant long-term, like, like franchise altering players. That's bit, but he doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be, he doesn't have to be to prove his, wow. I, I will say wow. I let myself get seduced by Devonte Smith's production last spring and uh, kind of wishing there'd be some of that production at the NFL level, Denny. Um, well, he's in the worst possible yeah, offense. Yeah, it's a shame. And, the, you know, but, but, but all I said, though, last year about Devontae Smith is, does someone get an alpha receiver opposite this guy? And then, you know, the stats are just going to take right off. Like, uh, is someone who's going to command right. a million targets and be the folk, the first read on every play, then Devontae Smith will really be good in uh, 2022. I, this, in case you can't tell, these are tears, and I'm crying. Because right. there's no yeah, hope exactly. for Devontae Smith in 2022. No, I, I, I just, I don't know where the volume is going to come from. My, I'm sorry it's for my right. dog. The folks he are used to it. I mean, the lawyers too. They've, we tried to negotiate this a long time ago, but uh, it's just everyone knows it's part of the deal now. The dog. So who, who's, who's another rookie fantasy rank you want to talk about, Denny? Yeah, uh, uh, Christian Watson. It, I'm sorry. Where I'm ranked, uh, who, who is Christian Watson? Uh, you have, you have him at 44. And, and, you know, again, like, I think that's okay. But I I also think, you know, Aaron Rodgers has his guy, like has his guys that he likes to throw to. And if you don't like ingratiate yourself in the Aaron Rodgers club quickly, things could go very sideways, very quickly for you. We've seen that with many receivers over the years. So you, you, but you feel like maybe Watson j- just, just by uh, Devonte Adams, I guess, absence is, is going to fall into some volume. This one's weird. This one's a really weird one. Cause Something I try to really remain cognizant of like every spring is that just because a rookie receiver lands in an offense like desperately needs targets, they have nowhere to throw the ball. You know, they got to target this third rounder and like Christian Watson's a second rounder, but that just, it just doesn't work that way. Like, so uh, there's just so many years where like this guy's going to get 120 targets. Even I don't care that he's the number 90 pick. Like they have nowhere else to throw the ball. And then they just sign like four Olamide Zacchaeuses and just target them instead because they're like more proficient, like the NFL basics. And so Christian Watson, though, of course, there was some element. So I haven't ranked, you know, it's like a low end wide receiver four, basically. There was some element of like, well, I mean, they have quite almost literally nowhere to target. And his ranking, honestly, is not as much about Devontae Adams as more about like a hope that he's kind of like a plug and play for Marcos Valdez Scantling, because that's definitely what his early career game is going to be, I feel like. Like, lots of lots of go routes, lots of vertical routes, like, not going to be doing, like, a lot of, like, intricate stuff over the middle of the field or in the short. Maybe they'll throw him some wide receiver screens, some quick outs in the short, but kind of just, like, they have just so many things they need to figure out. And, like, I feel like one of the easier dots to connect with just like Christian Watson is going to be Marcos Valdez Scantling. He is a high draft pick. He's a high second round pick. And like Aaron Rodgers like has to throw the ball somewhere. He's one of the best deep ball throwers in NFL history. And like I will place a little bit of a bet on Christian Watson, even though there are lots of reasons to be skeptical. Yeah. And that, that checks out. 
I will say as a Watson skeptic, I, I do acknowledge these things. That's a good uh, point. Yeah. It didn't even work out with like players who are now good. Like no. Michael Gallup was one of those guys. No, nope, like the Cowboys have to target Mike. And then it's like, never did. So th- this might be a good time to share with you and the, and the listeners uh, a theory I've been cooking up after reading, you know, many, many green Bay uh, beat reporters and, and looking at their roster moves and, and things. My theory on the Packers this year is that, you know, they, they know they can't be that super hyper efficient offense that they were with Devonte Adams playing catch with Aaron Rodgers, basically. So they have stocked up on defenders. They, you know, they, 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 they signed uh, their, their top cornerback Jair Alexander to the, the biggest contract in, in history and cornerback history <laughs> uh, yesterday. And they're prepared to be a defensive team. And perhaps that translates to a more ball control, slightly more conservative offense uh, that is not quite as, as fantasy friendly and maybe, maybe more so for the running backs, but that acknowledges, Hey, we're not as strong as we used to be in the passing game. We need to do things differently. And I think, I think the, the, the Packers are, you know, in line to be one of the top, if not the top defense in the whole league. This the grossest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, no, it's going to be horrible. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be defensive run for, and like, surely this is going to be the year Aaron Jones, like finally catches 60 passes. Like, I, I don't understand how this like, isn't already an annual thing, but he's a surely, right? Pitcher. I don't get it. You have any other rookies we need to talk yeah. about? Now? Yeah. We have one more. Uh, we have uh, Sky Moore. No, make it Jamison Williams. We got to talk about Jamison Williams, folks. You're right. You're right. Uh, and, and you know what? That's we got to ask you some questions. That that's actually who we feel better. That's actually who we discussed before the show. So I I, uh, I blank there. You have Sky Moore just one below one one spot below Jamison Williams. You have him Williams at 54, just below Jahan Dotson. Wow, you went rookie, rookie, rookie there. Right around Kenny Galladay and Tyler Boyd, Will Fuller. Anyway, you you call you call Jamison Williams a special player on film who could roar past 2022 expectations of healthy. I get the, first of all, appreciate the roar. That's good stuff. Thank you. But are we expecting him to not be ready uh, health wise for the beginning of the season? Is that part of your, your ranking on him? So first off on sky Moore, the rank wide receiver 55, that really was, was just like, I don't know what to do yet. Ranking where, I feel like the Chiefs' top four of MVS, Juju Smith-Schuster, Sky Moore, and Michael Hardman is just like impossibly jumbled, and I kind of want to wait for like some summer data points, like even just even see like what happens in mini camp. So Sky Moore, that was just kind of like a throwing up my hands and not knowing what to do. Right? I get that. Jamison Williams, wide receiver, fifty-four. Like it is. That's like a health hedge. Although they're saying he's going to be healthy for the beginning of training camp, which so I'm hoping he's a guy who is like much higher. In my rankings by like mid-August, but it's also I mean, Jared Goff is not a good downfield passer. Spoiler alert! Uh, ranking it's a they signed DJ Shark for some reason. Ranking yeah, it's a they're going to still run the ball a million times. Yeah. Ranking it's a, even if he is like cleared, you know he's gonna have a very rookies even if they're healthy by week one. Rookies have like these truncated off seasons, you know. They like don't really get to take part of it in any of like the mini camps or any of like the spring stuff. A lot of times they're just like kind of always behind the eight ball. And it's someone yeah whose traits I think are so special in Jamison Williams, but just that like I don't know what exactly it's just like it's just like a hedge where he so he's someone in Dynasty. I traded up with Rich Rebar to get the fourth pick in our Dynasty League. And both Traylon Burks and Jamison Williams were on the clock. And like a couple of weeks ago, I probably would have taken Traylon for sure, but I've just like fallen even more in love with Jameson in the interim. And I did take Jameson Williams at number four in our dynasty rookie draft. I, I absolutely love him, but it's kind of like almost like writing off 2022 for tax purposes, basically. <laughs> I I don't, you know, I can't quibble with that too much. I mean, did you see the report that Traylon Burks uh, was, uh, was gassed in. I did. So I'm going to ask you. So like, uh, I feel like I can make fun of Traylon Burks as breathing since I'm asthmatic. Like, should we be worried about this? Like, uh, it was a little, I mean, I mean, it, it could be, look, it could be that Traylon Burks after a very 
grueling and tough emotionally and physically taxing draft season, perhaps Traylon Burks took a couple weeks to play PS five and, and, and drink and drink some Mountain Dew, you know, uh, and, and, you know, he goes to mini camp and he's a little bit gassed. He, it was reported as breathing problems, which, yeah. you know, but uh, I, I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. What I would say is Traylon should, should be ready for training camp. You know, maybe, yeah. maybe put away the, put away the PS five controller and let's, let's get this thing going. I will say I would have been less concerned about it if for any other team, like the Titans have like such a strange recent first round history. And like Mike Vrabel, like turns on people like very, very, very quickly where I was worried, like even like Traylon Burks is far from the first rookie, even the first, like first rounder to yeah. show up at rookie mini camp and be like, Oh crap. Like, wow, yeah. this is a lot harder than I thought. Uh, like yikes! Uh, you know who fall? You know who falls in that camp? Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry. What? I I, I looked back at, at reports from his 2016 rookie camp. They were overwhelmingly negative. You know this guy is 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 in over his head. He's he doesn't look in shape. I mean, can you imagine Derrick Henry not looking in shape? He was he was uh, what do they call it? Uh, he was stumbling and bumbling this and that, dropping passes. So let's you know let's just keep that in mind. But any back to Jameson Williams now. Jared Goff is not a good downfield, uh, uh, is not an aggressive downfield thrower in that he doesn't try it very often, but he's actually kind of middle of the road when he does try it. So hopefully a guy like Jameson Williams can inspire some confidence in those long balls for uh, golf. Yeah, Jared Goff isn't bad down the field when it's like designed shots, but like Sean McVay, like got tired of like having to design downfield shots for Jared Goff. Yeah, it was weird though. Like you said, one of the strangest storylines of 2021 that no one paid attention to because it didn't matter at all was the Lions offense and their deep game getting much better after they claimed Josh Reynolds off waivers. Right. Like he was like a very, very effective role player. And I thought that was a strange storyline that again, no one paid any attention to because why would you? But I, th- I did think that was an interesting second half of the season development. Last year. I, th- I think many of us remember the trauma of not having Josh Reynolds in the captain spot for Thanksgiving, uh, Thanksgiving day. <laughs> I was gonna say, he he uh, had himself a feast yeah, on Thanksgiving. And my final thought on Traylon Burks is to say, so yeah, I'm not concerned at all about him being out of shape, but I am concerned about Mike Vrabel forever judging him for not being out of shape. Right. And like Mike Vrabel, this Mike might already hate him. Right. Because yeah. Vrabel could, could probably outrun him in, in a, in a 40 right now. Yeah. <laughs> hey, come on. Man. <laughs> uh, Denny, we're still, I'm going to change things a bit. We're still going to talk about your article, but we're going to do so after this break. And we're going to do so with Mr. Lawrence Jackson joining us. So we will be right back. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC sports predictor app powered by points bet, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands by predicting what will happen in the NBA playoffs, the Premier League, on the PGA Tour, and in the NASCAR circuit. So go check out the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet today. Lawrence, how are you? Welcome. We've just uh, talking a lot about rookie, rookie wide receivers. Now Denny's going to talk about like some nerd stuff or something. Um, but how are you doing, Lawrence? Yeah, go go ahead, get it out the way, get all the nerd <laughs> stuff out the way. It's cool. It's well. okay. Hi, Lauren. Yeah, I hope you notice you're wearing some Atlanta uh, Hawks gear. And uh, is this is this morning? It's laundry day. <laughs> <laughs> it's laundry day because I ain't trying to like let people know That's that good. right now. So it's you know doing the laundry. So I gotta wear this to everywhere I go with some dress shoes on. So Atlanta Hawks <laughs> hat, a Dominique Wilkins jersey with some dress shoes at the gym. So, you know, we just trying to make yeah, I just don't, I just don't understand how this time last year I was watching like Trey Young like in the conference finals and then how this year they just uh <laughs> kind of bombed out. No 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 Clint Compella, you know, that this that was the problem, you know. <laughs> yeah, hey, if they had him, they would be still That's what I'm saying. right now. And, and I could say that because there's no people, <laughs> so I can say it. Well, do, do you guys agree, by the way, with Patrick Beverly's assertion that like Denny and I could guard CP3 at this point or like maybe blow by CP3 for an easy look? Lawrence, could Denny blow by CP3 Stop. for an easy oh, layup? I mean, based on what I saw y'all do at the Super Bowl combine, I'm going to say yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm going to say yeah. Yeah, we, we go yeah. viral with a, with a, a at Rotopat blows by Chris Paul for easy layup. <laughs> and uh, yeah. 
I, you you wouldn't even have to cross them up. Just go straight to the right. You yeah, believe it. me, I'm going right. Like I, I've made a few <laughs> oh, left-handed layups in my life, but I'm uh, gonna go right. I think. <laughs> and, and look, he can know that. Yeah. And apparently, he's a cone. You know, they they said you know Beverly said he's good. Yeah, he's I ha- I, I ha- you have to respect a guy like I saw on Twitter who who probably woke up at four in the morning to go to the ESPN studios to just crush Chris Paul at the lowest point of his professional career. That that takes uh, dedication. He had been waiting for that for 48 <laughs> hours. However long, from whenever game seven ended, he was waiting, dressed Man. already, slept in the well, bed. Listen, that's the thing. He on. didn't – everyone was like, wow, like, wow, this guy woke up at 4 a.m. to slander Chris Paul. He actually just never went to sleep. <laughs> never went to sleep. You gonna go to sleep if you that excited? No. The, the the meanest thing he said, I think, was that he knows he could stay out all night if he has to Chris guard Chris Paul the next day. Yeah, that, 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 that's that hurt. Wrong. That that's hurt. so messed up. God, <laughs> calling yeah, him that, a cone. That. Honestly, it was one of those brutal owns I've like ever heard. I mean, you think he was Gary Payton? <laughs> you know, but hey, calling a, a grown one of the greatest players in league history you compared him to a cone. Um, so. <laughs> Very interesting. A heat check from Patrick Beverly, who has surely already been signed to an ESPN contract. So, Lawrence, in a few minutes, we're going to get uh, to some rookie receivers you like. We already did some rookie receiver talk, not some of the guys you're going to talk about, I don't think, and some vets that you are fading. Uh, but we're going to get to Denny's article first, and you can chime in, Lawrence. But Denny was never not writing. Has an article up called To Establish or Not to Establish. And Denny, by the way, do we even need that second two in there? Should it be to establish or it should be or not to establish? Now, I was going to try to own you on Grant. Yeah, yeah, you're overthinking it. Yeah, I am overthinking it there. You got to put the (laughs) (laughs) About how teams might approach their offense in 2022. And we're going to talk about the Bengals, Ravens, and Dolphins. Denny, I think it would be prudent to start with the Dolphins. Just like what kind of offensive approach are you expecting under new coach in Kyle Shanahan acolyte Mike McDaniel? Yeah, so McDaniel has obviously been coy about like exactly how he's going to approach the Dolphins' offense, and that, that's to be expected. You know, guy's not going to come in and say this is exactly what we're going to do. But he did tell Rich Eisen back in February, shortly after he got the Miami job, he said, "quote uh, It will definitely look similar to what I was part of back in San Francisco, but there will be different twists." The second part, I think you can kind of cut that off and say, "Okay." Like Mike McDaniel, who is widely considered one of the, if not the best uh, run game coordinator in the NFL before he got this job, is is looking to establish to run, is looking to run to, to have the run as the, the, the primary force in this uh, offense. So if we want to know a little bit about how the Dolphins offense might operate this season, you look back at 2021 and how uh, Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan ran his offense. Uh, it, for the Niners. Now this is, I think that the, the, the Niners offense last year can show us a lot because they were ahead so, so much and so frequently last year. Whereas in 2020, they were chasing points constantly because they were ravaged by injuries and just missing a bunch of guys. But 2021 was, was a little more revealing. So last year, uh, Shanahan passed the ball on a meager 45% of the Niners plays when they led by at least one point. That's a, a drop from 48% in 2020. He had the NFL's third lowest early down pass rate. Um, they had the league's lowest pass rate over expected on third and short. And I, so I, I would, I would expect McDaniel to, to want to run a, a similar kind, kind of offense uh, for Miami. Now, I don't know if this means that like, you know, Tyree kill and, and uh, Jalen Waddle get a knock for fantasy purposes, because I think, that they will absorb so much of the target share in the Dolphins offense that it, it might not matter that they, they run it so much. So yeah, basically they're going to run the football and Lawrence, I have a few questions for you. Like first, do we see any like Debo Samuel energy from Jalen Waddle or is that like a pipe dream? No, <laughs> already an instant. No, nah, it ain't going to, no, it ain't going to be that. But what, uh, what Denny was alluding to uh, how they're going to try to establish the run that, you know, you see him just uh, last week sign Sony Michelle. They already got Raheem Mostert. They got Chase Edmonds. They probably going to end up cutting Miles Gaskins, but you know, whatever. Um, so they, they stopped piling on these running backs. Uh, 
Chase Edmonds will obviously he gonna be the lead guy where well, you would think so by the money that he getting paid, but you could probably almost uh, assume that they're gonna go with the hot hand approach in the running game, right? Which will open up the pass. And then what they'll do with, with Tyreek and Jalen Waddle, they're gonna use uh I expect them to use short the short passing game as the run game. Because obviously at the end of the day, them they two best playmakers and you want to get the ball in their hands. Um, a lot of people people talked last year about uh, Jalen Waddle's uh, low average yards per catch, but that's going to be his game going forward. You want to get him the ball quick because you know there's a chance. There's a chance he or Tyree Hill could take it the distance on any play. Then when they low him to sleep, you know, they run, run, run. So they got defense thinking, run, run, run. Oh, run, run, run. And and Tua got the noodle arm. Then pop. That's when Tua hit him over the top. Maybe <laughs> Tyreek Hill, 70 yard. It's touchdown. funny, Lawrence. Like, Tua does have, like, the weak arm. But, like, it is like in college, like, he was, like, the master of, like, the 65-yard play-action touchdown. So, like, that definitely could be a part of his game that comes back. And you said so many different things that I wanted to comment on where – you kind of made me think of an interesting point. Like, I so I think Jalen Waddle can be Debo Samuel, but it's 2020 Debo Samuel, not 2021 Debo. 2020 Debo Samuel had like an historically low A dot. Like he was used like almost like exclusively at the line of scrimmage. They not use him as a running back, but they used him as like the ultimate like short passing weapon when he was healthy. It's like that could be some of and Tyreek Hill's game was like right, already right. changing. You know, his A dot came way down last year. He was used much more as like a short to intermediate weapon by the Chiefs. And but, yeah, yeah, that, that that's yeah. a good point. 2020 Debo Samuel, where it was more uh jet sweeps, you know, you get the orbit, you know, running around and just a lot of eye candy pre-snap. And then when you got two guys like that. Mike McDaniel gonna look to use that to his advantage. So Denny, before we get on to your second team, I mean, which Dolphins running back, like, is there any chance you're paying up for Chase Edmonds? He feels like a classic, mm-hmm. like zero RB, like do not draft at any costs, I feel like. Or or is that not correct? And but or like yeah. or can you possibly talk yourself into Raheem Mostert as a zero RB guy? So, I guess you uh, can. So I guess my answer would be neither. As uh, NFL analyst Greg Cosell said recently, he expects uh, the newly signed Sony Michelle to lead the Miami backfield oh, and carries while Chase Edmonds takes on the pass catching role. Now, where this you know lands Mostert, who obviously comes from the Niners, is exceedingly familiar with the Shanahan system that will be uh, installed in Miami. Where it leaves him, I I, I don't know. But McDaniel talked about. Uh, Michelle today, not, not in, in, you know, explicitly glowing terms or anything, but you know, he acknowledged his existence and said, yes, his, he said his interests matched ours. I don't really know what that means, but we'll, we'll go with that as a positive. Uh, I, I would, I would say Michelle has a better chance of leading the team in, in, in rushing attempts, uh, pass catching, probably not at all. I'll ask both of you as we close this out. I agree with that too, by the way. Definitely going to lead. Chase Edmonds averaged 13 touches as a Cardinal last year. Will he be over or under that, Lawrence, as a Dolphin? Over or under? Hmm. I would say slightly over. Denny, what do you think? I mean, I based on what I just said, I have to go under. Yeah, I think he's going to average like 11.8 touches or something. Yeah, that, 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 that's tough. That's tough because when, when you say 13 and I say slightly over, I'm thinking like 13. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the, the big increase like, is not it, coming is basically. Yeah, overall. I'm thinking 10. Prior, prior to Sony Michelle, I was thinking like 15. Which would have been that. enough of a difference. It's only two touches per game, but that would have been enough of a difference to make him like a much more appealing RB2. But I just feel like he's not going to get there. And it's going to be very, very sad. Denny, who's another offense whose approach yeah. we want to talk about in 2022? Let's talk about the Bengals, uh, who finally, after like two and a half months of, you know, pretty a pretty balanced approach to offense, in, in fact, uh, run heavy for, for much of it, they finally embraced Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and T. Higgins as the centerpiece of how they were going to score points. And they passed 
their third their third down pass rate spiked their first down and second down pass rate spiked. it all went through the roof and and finally zach taylor said okay like burrow's knee is healthy yes he's going to be sacked a million times but he seems to be he seems to be okay with you know avoiding the big hits so so they they went for it it got them all the way to the super bowl i think that we'll see more of that going forward and i think that that elevated pass rate can make both higgins and chase wide receiver ones this year well, Lawrence, not to like take to. I know you have some opinions on this, Lawrence, on the uh, Bengals wide receivers, and you maybe feel like uh, the non-consensus Bengal might be the higher fantasy producer in 2022. Yeah, definitely. So, what, what was important? What Denny said was he he said Jamar Chase and T Higgins as, as key parts of his offense. Jamar Chase and T Higgins could be wide receiver ones, and that's fully within the realm of possibility as you move uh toward 2022 and quite frankly i'm excited about it because for one there is a great possibility that one t higgins in fantasy could outscore the better you know natural talent in jamar chase oh yeah do you think yeah. like this like oh, yeah. so much of the jamar chase stuff last year was like 70 yard touchdowns he was like to like the efficiency, like no one can be that efficient again. Is that kind of what you think it is or just uh, like a gut feel kind of? Well, the thing about Jamar Chase, when, when you saw some of the games last year, uh, those three 200-yard outbursts that he had, the scary thing about him, if you were defense, is that that could happen anytime. Right. Like literally, like against the Titans in the playoffs, he was being held up for a while. Then he catches a screen takes it 57 yards and now all of a sudden like he's on pace to have a good game now there's other games and these games could be three and four in a row where he uh goes three for 32 or or two for 11 but then he might get that touchdown at the end just to get him over the double digit fantasy so when you couple that with those uh 200 yard games and what seemed like once a month that's elite uh, wide receiver production, whereas to T. Higgins, uh, he ain't he ain't gonna be the main guy you're looking for, which is crazy to say after you watched him in the playoffs this year, uh, multiple hundred yard games. In this past season, he actually outperformed Jamar Chase in the 2022 postseason. So that's what's got me feeling like this is a possibility, and the fact that Joe Burrow played with Jamar Chase. In college, a lot of people kind of factored that in. It was like, oh, well, this is just going to be the Jamar chasing Joe Burrow show. But he really doesn't favor Jamar Chase. He favors both of them being really good. Uh, uh, for much of the season, I believe the first uh, 15 to 16 weeks, T. Higgins averaged more targets mm-hmm. per game than Joe Burrow. Now he missed some games due to injury in the middle of the season, was still able to get over a thousand yards. So when you think about it, man, it's scary that they could have two receivers yeah. at around 1,400 yards. And what's going to separate them is who could get more yeah, tests. Having T Higgins as your team's wide receiver too, I mean, your NFL team's wide receiver too, is really an embarrassment of riches. You know, it, it's, it's, uh, it's incredible because T Higgins could, I'm going to be conservative here. T Higgins would be the number one receiver on 10 NFL rosters right now. Probably he's, more than that. Actually. Okay. I, I, yeah, I want to say 15. More. I want to say maybe half the league. Right. Yeah. And uh, so to have him as your like clear wide receiver too, I mean, that, that that's in, incredible. And I, I think that Zach Taylor understands this is the way we're going to do things. We're going to funnel it entirely through the pass game. I wanted to mention real quick, Joe, Joe Mixon, when they went past heavy, when the Bengals went past heavy last year, uh, he ended up winning, running the 10th most pass routes among running backs, about 19 per game. And he saw the fifth most running back targets over the season's final month when they really went past heavy. So it, it could be good for him as well. I will say on the Bengals' overall approach, Denny, that I'm a little afraid they're like going to try to have their cake and eat it too, where they're going to try to protect Joe Burrow and like early in the season still do like the run heavy thing. And then like with the belief that maybe they can like turn it on when they need to, that's very, very hard to do actually. And it's better to just make that like your default mode, your default tempo. And I'm a little worried that they're going to come out early in the season and it's not going to look like their second half of the season. Well, that, that would stink. It'd make me very upset with, with Zach Taylor. It would stink. 
I won't watch. I won't yeah, watch I won't. Football. I mean, there's no point. There's really no point in living. I mean, if they're going to do that. Um, <laughs> so, Denny, what's the one final team whose approach you want to talk about in 2022? Yeah, the Ravens. Just real quick. I, I, I It's my longest section in the article, and I'm going to try to distill it here. Basically, uh, shipping Marquise Brown to Arizona, drafting a bunch of uh, offensive linemen and tight ends, talking about returning to their identity, their roots from 2019 and 2020 when they were just destroying the league. I called it their EPA glory days um, when they were just destroying the league with the run. I think we're coming back to that. I think the, the Ravens are, are very much focused on, on bringing that back. I think that's great for Lamar Jackson's fantasy prospects. I think it's not so great for Mark Andrews prospects. And I, we can get into that in, in a second, but let's let, we should not expect their, balanced offense from last year to continue into 2022. Danny, I'll tell you where it's not the EPA glory days is 2022 America. Am I right, folks? Yeah. Uh, am yeah, I right? right. Uh, Lawrence, do you have me? You're, you're, you are Mr. Ravens. Do you agree with Danny's take on the Ravens offense? They definitely uh, made an effort to uh, shore up that offensive line early in the middle and in the middle rounds of the draft drafting multiple tight ends. I feel like also getting rid of Marquise Brown, this is the thing. They was never going to pay him anyway. Um, you got Rashad Bateman coming up, who's going to actually be way better. Um, I do think this will hurt uh, Mark Andrews because 1,300 yards from him again, I'm, I'm not going to expect that. I'm going to expect something around, uh, you know, 900 to 1,000, but that'll be also – with the elevation of Rashad Bateman. This is the thing for the Ravens. It's going to depend on how the game script is going. Uh, a lot of those games in Lamar Jackson's 2019 MVP year, they were always winning. Um, in 2021, he had to come from behind. Some They had to throw because they were losing. The defense was getting torched. They corrected that too. The, they brought in Marcus Williams at safety. And they getting guys, they getting guys back healthy. So the hope, what they want to do is get ahead, right? Run that ball just like they did in 2019. And in that case, I'll only expect around eh, 3,500 passing yards and a thousand rushing yards from Lamar. If they're losing again and they're, and they're like, you know, they're not ahead, they're having, then I'm going to go, you know, over 4,000 passing for Lamar. That's what he was on pace for. Uh, last season before he got hurt, but I expect them to uh, to be leading in some games, man. They they clearly made a conscious effort to let people know, like, hey, we about to get back to this this ground and pound and throw when we want yeah, to. So, right. Yeah, right. And and you know they they saw that in the more balanced offensive environment, Lamar did not thrive. I, I mentioned in the article his uh, uh, his adjusted EPA per dropback was 18th among quarterbacks below guys like Ryan Tannehill and Carson Wentz last year. So that, you know, and, and that's not entirely his fault. You know, you're not supposed no, to say that. Lie, no, man. man, I, I don't, I don't like saying, it. I take no <laughs> pleasure in, in, in saying this, but, but if they get back in 2019, nah, 2020, yeah. he was near the top, if not at the very top in EPA per drop back. So they, yeah. they're going to get yeah. back. They're trying to get back to that, whether they can, I don't know. But it's something to keep in mind when we're valuing Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman and the pass catchers in this offense. Lawrence, you made a really interesting Definitely. point where it, it is weird. Like the biggest factor influencing the Ravens' 2022 offense, like might be their secondary. And like if they their secondary like gets healthy and back on track in 2022. They they have to get healthy and they gotta play well. Now they got Kyle Hamilton back there too. Uh, Marlon Humphrey, who, who's a pro bowler, was not having the best season. He was getting yeah. worked before he got lost to the season with injury. Um, but, yeah, man, in a lot of times, like, Lamar, he was pressing a lot, trying to make plays where, where they weren't there. Um, he would make some crazy good play and then keep on – I feel like he thought he could do it again, and then it would turn into a four-interception game versus the, versus the Browns. Thanks. So. If yeah, if he don't have, he shouldn't. He should. If he don't have to press like that, I think it'll be okay. Just let it come to him, and that'll and that comes with an efficient running. Well, the Ravens' game. defensive coordinator is now someone named Mike McDonald, who <laughs> I believe would be the youngest person on this podcast. So, 
hopefully he's got it figured out. Lawrence, we want we want to talk about. So thankfully, I think you're going to talk about rookie receivers. We haven't talked about it. Denny and I ended up getting a lot of rookie receiver talk. You want to talk about two of the higher end receivers in this class? Give us your thoughts. We'll begin uh, with Mr. Atlanta Falcons, Drake London. Yeah. So what what I see in Drake London is uh, the perfect blend of opportunity and talent. Um, you know. I felt like Jamison Williams would have been the first receiver drafted if not for the injury, but it ended up being Drake London. And he, you know, he, he was still drafted as the first receiver off the board. And he goes to a team that would, that would have had to call us to play wide receiver. If they yeah, didn't they actually did. You know, they, and we, we declined. <laughs> <laughs> they just traded for Brian Edwards. So, you know, they hurt for receivers. So, uh, Drake London's going to get there, and his only competition for targets should be Kyle Pitts, and I think they will help each other um, free up. They'll free up each other, especially uh, near the red zone where, you know, Kyle Pitts kind of had that Julio Jones syndrome. One touchdown on the year is three people covering Kyle Pitts. Well, now you've got another uh, receiver out there that could go up, high point the ball. That'll get you valuable fantasy points if he's a target in the red zone away from the red zone. I mean, it's, he's, he's already light years ahead of every other receiver that they currently roster. So he'll have the opportunity. I don't really think it matter which one of them dudes is that quarterback Ritter or Marcus Mariota. Cause they got similar skill sets. One dude just older and <laughs> one ain't he, he look older. But <laughs> yeah, he, ain't. he does. Um, it's a very, very, cool. <laughs> um, so it does not yeah. Like they they're gonna have to throw the ball to somebody, so it, it's gotta be Drake. It's, it's interesting too. Like Kyle Pitts is gonna be such a boon to have around for Drake London because like a guy who can like he 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 does very well in contested catch situations and like one on one situation. Like the the amount of defensive attention that uh, Kyle Pitts already commands will kind of ensure that like this team that is so low and receiver is still Drake London won't. You won't be able to just like roll everyone Drake London's way and totally neutralize him because if you do that, you'll just get absolutely killed by Kyle Pitts. So he is, even though there's no receivers, Drake London should be extremely thankful that Kyle Pitts is there because that's going to be a huge help. We're hoping for one, more than one red zone target for yeah. Kyle Pitts this year. And I think that honestly, that might be a Matt Ryan. At least thing two. Can we get two? <laughs> Matt Ryan just will, he does not want to pull the trigger on those tough red zone throws. He'd rather take a third down sack in the red zone. Um, he did Man. not ever want to pull the trigger. Boy, he, 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 he wants to go with what he's used to, <laughs> yeah. which is yeah, exactly. That's true. He, he never, whether... whether it was Julio or Kyle Pitts, he maybe, yeah, maybe he just didn't have time to pull the trigger on those tight, tight throws that you have to make in the red zone. But Lawrence, who is rookie receiver number two? Well, y'all talked about him a little bit because he, uh, he was, oh, yeah. tired <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Trey, Traylon, Traylon Burkson, you know. Who I don't know why he retired that day. I don't even want to talk about that because it's a plethora of reasons, you know, why a man could be gassed at a rookie minicamp. But uh, another guy who going into a situation where he's literally replacing the man that just left, and AJ Brown had he had success as a rookie in that role. Robert Woods originally was. Uh, he was traded there to be paired and to be the wide receiver two for AJ Brown. Now that he's gone, it's kind of a one A one B situation. Just because Robert Woods is the veteran, but you know Traylon Burst got you know same size and skill set as AJ Brown, and that's what they that's what they're hoping to get. And and even though it's a run first offense, like I said, the same thing for uh, Drake London. The talent, maybe not the speed, but the talent. And the opportunity will show itself early because those are two guys that I expect to be wide receiver ones on week one. Chris Salave, maybe, would depending on what happens with Michael Thomas, but Traylon Burks and Drake London are two dudes that I expect to see in the starting lineups week one and playing uh, to be in, not the rotation, but to be playing a heavy amount of plays. It's really weird that Traylon Burks, he like got like AJ Brown comparisons and then he probably wasn't banking on like literally replacing AJ Brown. And that will be very interesting. Cause like an offense that already like features the kind of targets that he'll need to be successful as a rookie. 
So I do think I was talking about Denny earlier, but like the dangers of like thinking like, wait, well, this team has to give this rookie targets. Like they have no choice. They often do make it a choice and give them to just like totally random veterans. But it's very hard to see the Titans not giving uh, Traylon Burks the requisite targets to be at least a wide receiver three. And Denny, real quick, would you rather draft Drake London or Traylon Burks in re- 2022 redraft? Uh, Burks. Yeah. I think yeah, I think it's pretty safe with Burks too, um, despite the fact that uh, he needed I, his albuterol uh, midway through. I, I said something about his speed. Now, if you look at him in college, you'll never see him getting caught behind, always running away. So he he's one yeah. of them guys. At 40, it's not something to be crazy about. But on the field, outrunning dudes. I don't know what I don't know how that works. Derrick Henry yeah. does the same thing at 60 pounds. You never see him getting caught. So we'll see his game speed was like off the charts, Traylon Burks. That yeah, was a really, uh, really good point. Well, Pat Pat Corain mentioned that. Burks didn't get a whole lot of downfield opportunities in, in college, but when he did, he made the most of it. He's very efficient with downfield stuff. So we have to keep that in mind when, when it comes to like, you know, if he's, is he in shape? Is he going to be run away from? I think that Lawrence is right in that, and that he's, he'll be fine in that, in that aspect. Lawrence, who is a veteran last week? We talked some veterans. You like to bounce back in 2022. Who is a veteran you expect to either fade or perhaps continue fading? I mean, I'm going to continue fading Devontae Parker. Like, it's some people that, yeah, it's some people that feel optimistic about this move of him going from Miami to New England. Talk about wanting to establish the run. Devontae Parker, a former first round pick, uh, this is year eight, maybe seven, eight, nine, something like that. 15, I think, at least. That's what it seemed like. He's a, <laughs> Devontae Parker's a first round pick with one 1,000 yard season to his name, and it sounds crazy, right? Because he's you know, he's hung along, he's been the Dolphins, it seemed like he'd been they wide receiver one forever, but you know, he's never ever consistently on the field. Take that out of the equation. Um, you get him on a Patriots offense, um, where Jacoby Myers is already he's that's they that's they wide receiver one over there. When they want to, when they want to get down and start uh, throwing the football, but um, he'll make he'll he'll be good for their offense, their football team. But for fantasy, no, nah, I'm good. He'll make those, you know, he'll make those highly contested catches, and they'll be timely. He might win you a game doing that, but that'll be like his second catch of the game. So I'm good on that. And it, it's I guess it's optimism because he had a 1200 yard season like five <laughs> years ago. But I'm I'm good. It's just a role playing receiver core for sure. Like Nelson Aguilar is the the deep threat, like the deep threat speedster role player. Jacoby Myers is like the like this the the slot guy, the guy who's gonna compile targets. Like Kendrick Bourne's gonna be like the tough catch guy, like maybe like the third down or red zone guy. And like Devontae Parker's gonna be like the guy who gets occasional sideline targets. There is this essentially zero reason for optimism with Devontae. Right, Denny? Right. Right? Am I right, folks? They're gonna run. They're gonna run it like they did in Buffalo last year, every single week. Three yeah. attempts is too many. Yeah, it's already telling Mac Jones. I, I mean, right. if they're they're going, they're they're going to be down seventeen nothing in the first quarter, and they're going to run it. Like it's it's just going to be like one of those offenses. Three attempts is too many. Lawrence, one more veteran who we are afraid is going to fade in twenty twenty two. I'm good on Chase Claypool. Um, I'm good on him. I'm good on that. Not the best receiver on his team for one. That's Deontay Johnson. He is the target monster on that team. You draft George Pickens. Uh, he'll he'll be that. He'll be in the three wide receiver sets. Um, Claypool had a lot of games where he got ghost last year. He ended on uh, 860 yards and two touchdowns on the season. He had a game in his rookie year, which he had four touchdowns in one game. That's right, folks. I'm good on that. Then, right, your quarterback week one is probably Mitchell Trubisky. And the only reason he will be starting is because he sat on the bench for one year and people forgot what he played like. <laughs> That's why he's going to be the starter in week one. And then if he's not, if he's not, you got a rookie. A rookie that went 20th overall 
when the Steelers found out afterwards, damn, we could have got him in the third <laughs> round. <laughs> but they took him 20, which is still late for a quarterback in any draft. So when you factor in all that, the only receiver I'm looking at from that team right now is Deontay the, Johnson. The, uh, one day we're going to find out that the Steelers could have signed Kenny Pickett as an undrafted free agent. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys, hey, that day might Lawrence, come. you left out the most compelling point is that Mike Tomlin simply does not like Jake's Claypool. No, all. he doesn't. God. <laughs> oh, you see some of the stuff he does? Pointing first down? I would that was like maybe the most infamous moment, I feel like, of the entire 2021 <laughs> season. The Chase Claypool signaling the first down and hurry up mode it's all that beat right it's all Steelers beat writers have talked about since it happened it, 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 there have been uh unbelievable amounts of ink spilled on this on this thing it's the most traumatic thing Steelers fans have ever been through well in, in fairness to the, the media and the fans it seemed to also stick with Mike Mike Tomlin and uh yeah was right. not a fan right. and, yeah uh, look don't don't be fooled within them first four weeks Kenny Pickett or Mitchell Trubisky or Mason Rudolph, one up, is going to have a game in which he throws for 266 yards. Chase Claypool is going to catch 200 of those yards and score two touchdowns and be the top, uh, maybe not waiver. Well, I don't know. People going to go crazy. Then he'll have 200 yards the next eight games. That's Chase Claypool right there. Yeah, I mean, the Steelers, too, also literally had him announce his replacement. He was the one who announced the George. Yeah, Pickens that was pick. wrong. That was dirty. That was... I loved it. <laughs> that was uh, That's Mike Tomlin is cackling. I mean, definitely just put out a cigar and Chase Claypool's like, face after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was really neat. They said, Chase, you go. We're drafting the dog. Yeah. We're drafting <laughs> George Pickens, who has all the dog in him. Yeah. <laughs> Only Chase Claypool would have did that. That's true. And Chase Claypool's like, if I don't you, care. I'm on if TV. You asked, if you if you would have, I bet he wouldn't have asked Antonio no. Brown to do that. No. Good <laughs> Chase Claypool's like, yeah, whatever, man. I'm on TV. It doesn't matter to me. I'm still getting paid the next two years. Oh no. How many replacements you want me to announce? I'll do it. <laughs> very, very good point. Very, very good show. Very, very good stuff from Lawrence. I have to admit it was good stuff from Denny. Um, it's a shame, but it was yeah, a sorry very about that. good show. Uh, it was just a very good show all around. Thank you so much for listening to us. Lawrence, thank you so much for joining us. Denny, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for listening every week and reading the site. A lot of great stuff on the site, including Denny's article, including my article, including many other things that I'm probably forgetting. Um, but thank you so much for listening. We will be back later in the week with Mr. Matt Straub. <laughs>